um, the Sunday following a holiday, right? Like that, or maybe even the day at the end of a vacation, right? Where you're going, man, I need a holiday from the holiday. I need a, a vacation from the vacation, a break from the break. And I would assume this morning, as, as you were thinking about going back to school or going back to work or back to routine tomorrow, you're not going, man, I am so ready, right? Like you're, you're thinking, I could use some more time. Like I'm not quite ready for it. Maybe you're ready to send your kid back to school, right? But you're not necessarily ready to get back into the regular routine and rhythm. Um, and, and so what we're going to do this morning, um, obviously our, our typical routine is that we're rooted in a book of Scripture, and we're working through it week after week. Um, we're going to do a one-week Advent kind of message this morning, and then next week we'll be starting a brand new book. We're going to be going back to the Old Testament, and we'll be starting um, the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and so we'll be doing that next week. Um, but this morning, we're just going to look um, at Advent and, and why we celebrate it as we begin this season. And so I want to just begin by asking the question, as we roll into Thanksgiving and then the Christmas and New Year seasons that follow it, how do you typically engage this season, right? Like, where is your heart? Where is your mind? Um, Knowing that the last um, couple years have just been difficult, where does that play in to your typical routine? Um, what is it that you, what do you, what do you do? Like, is, what is your heart saying? Where is your mind in this? Um, I, I think we would all admit that we want the holiday season to be restful, right? Like that we want close and harmonious relationships with our family, um, and that there's a reason why this season can be painful um, if those relationships are not harmonious, right? That we want things like good food, right? We want to see and receive, we want to receive and to give generosity. We want to see peace and stability, especially after COVID the last couple of years, right? We want to see everyone together, people that you've, you've missed. We want to see them together, right? There, there's probably this like gnawing sense of nostalgia, right, that you're looking for. And it may be that you've actually experienced something that you're looking to recreate, or maybe it's something you've never had and you're longing to see it for the first time, right? Like there's just this feel about this season that you're looking to like hold on to, and yet it feels like trying to grasp the wind a little bit. Like that you can't, like you can see it, you can feel it, and you can see the effect of it, but you can't quite grasp it. And I think we all have significant expectations for the season. Is it working? We have, we have expectations. Whether we can actually put like language to it, articulation to it or not, we have an expectation on this season. And ultimately, that we would leave the end of the year, this holiday season, with a desire to be refreshed. And yet we know from past experience that even if we kind of can pull off all that we're wanting to do and all that we're wanting to experience and all that we're wanting to have during this season, that there's a little bit of something lacking at the end of it, right? That it, we don't ever really get it in the fullness that we want, and yet we come in right with this resilience and hope that this year is going to be different, right? That this will be the year where we're actually, we're going to, man, we're going to check off everything on the list, and like perfection will happen, and the world will just be a different place after December 25th. And, and, and I think it's um, unique that we feel this way every year. Uh, I think it's probably a grace from the Lord um, that we don't look at it with uh, futility, 
Um, and, but this morning, I, I want us to wrestle with that because we are starting this season. Like Advent begins today, and we have a month to celebrate Jesus. And yet there's a lot of trappings and a lot of other things with family, with baggage, with expectations that just kind of can come in and muddy the water a little bit. And so if you'll look with me in Acts chapter 3, we see this passage. Um, it's the beginning of Acts. Jesus has just recently ascended into heaven um, after 40 days post the cross. And now we're, we're seeing Peter. He's primary right now in the book of Acts. And he's just recently healed a beggar. And in the midst of this, right, the beggar is like leaning on Peter. People are ast- like astounded at what's going on. And, and we, we see Peter now respond to the crowd that is watching this scene. And he, he begins to address them. Like, why are you so astounded by this? And he goes in verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Listen to verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. And so in the midst of seeing the kingdom break forth, seeing this man healed, right, as this is going on and people are going, what is happening? Like he couldn't walk and now he can walk. What, and, and Peter just goes, wait a second. You just crucified Jesus. And you did it out of ignorance, but you did it. And yet it's been promised that this day would come. And that there's even more to come. Like, turn from your sins now. Repent. And, and you'll be refreshed. Like there will be times, multiple times of refreshing from the Lord. And I want us to just, as our souls crave that, as we crave refreshment from the Lord, as we, especially this time of year, as we end with the holidays, as we go into a new year, as we want refreshment, would you hear this morning that it's available? Like that it is attainable, that it is possible, that Jesus does give it. And, and as he notes here, right, it's been foretold. And I want to just read a couple of these passages to remind our hearts this morning right, that, that Jesus was long foretold, that there was one coming who was going to make things right, who was going to make things, um, was going to restore things. So the first passage, this is Isaiah 7, in verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know, right, means God with us. You can turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, right, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Right? Like 
There's this anticipation that there's a ruler coming and there's going to be justice and there's going to be righteousness. And, and people are like clamoring, going, I want that. We can continue. Isaiah 53. Right? That we're just giving us this vision of who is coming. Right? Um, he was despised, verse 3, and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As the one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Right? This is what Peter's getting at. It was foretold. Like the one is coming who's going to rule with justice and with righteousness and with hope. And it would be for our good and He would also be stricken and pierced and broken. That He would suffer. And so He's telling them why. Like why are you ignorant of this? Like the Scriptures have promised this and you have acted in a way, right? We see this as well in, in Micah 5.2. We see it in Zechariah 9. We see it in Psalm 22. There's just prophecy after prophecy pointing to the one who was coming. And now Jesus has been on the scene, and they have killed him. He's risen from the dead, and now he's ascended to heaven. And we're seeing the church now move forward and grow. Listen, there was one who was coming that they longed for, who was going to make things right and restore it. And we know that it's Jesus. Right? The reason we celebrate this season is that we are looking back on the fact that He has come. That He has come. That He has set things right. And that He's also coming again. That we no longer have to simply wait with anticipation of who is it? Like who's the hidden one? What is it that Scripture is going to reveal? When's He going to get here? We know it's no longer hidden. It's, it's found in the person and the work and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Which means this morning, a season of refreshment is possible. Because Jesus is present. That He's alive today. That He's ministering to us by His Spirit. And so the call then, right? what, what does Peter tell them in verse 19? Repent, therefore. right? Like, turn back. That your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Like it's, it's turning from things right, that, would, that we are running after and saying, no, 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 those won't satisfy. Jesus will. Those things will not bring life and refreshment and hope. Jesus will. Those things are leading me to destruction and Jesus is leading me back to the Father right, where we belong, with a seat at the table. It's available. Regardless of your sin this morning, regardless of your past, regardless of anything that you have done, this morning, the opportunity to repent and to turn to Jesus is available for you to taste refreshment, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to walk in hope and in life and in peace with Him. Not based on your strength or your merit or your religious acumen, but based on Jesus. Because He's done the work and we can turn to Him. And yet they're acting 
in, in ignorance. Listen, this morning your sin may be weighing you down. It may be a burden that is crushing you, and yet refreshment is possible. But also this morning, for many of us, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We have had a season of refreshment in the past where our sin was laid down. But because we're living between the two advents, between the first coming and the second coming, we still live in the presence of sin. Listen, the power of sin has been broken for those in Christ. Right, The penalty of sin has been paid for, but we still live in the presence of sin. And our hearts are prone to forget. They're prone to be ignorant and to wander. And so this morning, right, we need to be reminded that for even those of us this morning who would say we love Jesus, and we do, that our hearts can take good gifts and good things from God and put them in a place they don't belong. Right? We can begin to elevate them to a place where they, they can't carry the weight, and yet we expect them to. We put them in the place of God. And listen, you would never say, I'm doing that, right? but your heart is deceived, and it goes into a place where it says, oh, this is really significant and really important, and we just subtly, over time, just kind of, we move God down a little, and we move these things up a little. Let's give a couple of examples of this. We can do this during this, this season or at any time of the year, right, with our, with our career, with our job, that we begin to find our security in it, we begin to find our identity in it, whether we have value or worth. We find our approval in it as to how people view us at work or in our success. Um, it, it's, a, it's a means for us to control our own livelihood, right? Because of what I do, it means this is how much money I make, and because of this much money, I have security, right? And we begin to look at a job, which is a good thing, and it's a gift, and we're told to work, and work is not a bad thing but it begins to be elevated into a place of prominence that it's not meant to be. Right? And so repenting of this would be saying, hey Jesus, like you're actually my security. You're in control and I'm not. You're, you're the good thing. Right? This is a gift from you, but ultimately I can trust you, not my own ability in this. And so it's a subtle thing. Right? Because it's a good and right gift but if it's put in the wrong place, right, we begin to let it, like it begins to creep in and it takes our heart captive. And now if it's threatened or if it's lost or if people don't view it the same way, right, it can absolutely crush us. Another one, family. Right? That, that family, even healthy family, can become an idol where we look at it and we say, listen, Family's a place where I'm going to belong. I'm going to feel secure. I'm going to feel safe. I have like um, assurance and comfort, all of which can be true. But listen, if we begin to look at our family as the giver of those things, we will crush our family with the expectation and a weight and a burden that they, they don't even know they can't meet, right? Because you begin to expect things from them that only God can give us, Right? He's the only one who's not going to disappoint us ever. He's going to discourage us ever. He's going to disappoint us, right? Who's going to fail us. Like our family, whether they intend to or not, are not perfect. 
And when we begin to think, you're the one who's going to give me my sense of belonging. You're the one who's going to give me my sense of assurance. It's a weight they cannot bear. Our families are something God has given us so that we see that and we sense that, but ultimately it's to point us to the greater reality that God does it. Maybe vacation. Right? As we think about breaks and holidays, right? we look at those, as the, at those things as rest. And yet we come back from our, our season of rest more tired than we began it. Right? Like that it can't actually provide what it is that we want. And so we look at um, a lack of activity or a lack of responsibility or the opportunity to take like unfettered naps. And we're like, okay, rest. Come on, rest. And then we don't feel rested. Now listen, please don't hear me say this. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. It, it Truly. Because what you're saying in that moment is, I'm not sovereign. Like, I'm not in control, and God is. Like, naps are a gift from God, right? Vacations are a gift from God. But if we begin to look at those as our signs of refreshment, the only thing that are able to do it, there is something our soul craves more than physical rest, right? And so physical rest will never satisfy a spiritual craving for rest and refreshment that is found in Jesus. So the holidays, right? the expectations of this picture-perfect moment, a coziness, a feel that we can't even quite put our fingers on. As we think about romantic relationships and, and wanting to be accepted, wanting to be heard and seen, loved unconditionally, right? in all of these, whether it's romantic relationships, families, jobs, vacation, holidays, rest, naps. Listen, all of them have a semblance of what we're grasping for. They all are a, a, a shadow, a bit, a type of what we're looking for. But they are merely gifts, and we are able in them to glimpse what we're actually wanting. We, we taste it, but we can't hold on to it. And we're left wanting more. Because they're all meant to be a shadow of the real thing. And they're pointing us to the fact that we want and long for those things, and there's actually a, a place and a person of refreshment, and it's Jesus. Like it's pointing us to the greater reality that is found in Christ. We see this full in the Old Testament, right? Like the, the priesthood no longer exists, right? Because Jesus came in and showed us the priesthood was a picture pointing, preparing your hearts to see a sacrifice that was done once and for all, and then He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Like It, it was meant to get our, our hearts ready for the real thing. And so vacations are meant to get our hearts ready for the real thing, which is rest in Jesus that we were created for. Right? It's where we're headed in eternity. Families are meant to show us that we are meant to belong, and we're meant to be seen, and we're meant to be known and we're meant to be accepted and loved and appreciated and enjoyed in just our mere presence. Not what we bring, not what we offer, just the fact that we are image bearers of God. And so when families are healthy and they're doing that, our hearts soar. And when families are broken and they're not doing that, we feel crushed and it is trauma. And yet, ultimately, what it's pointing us to is that we belong at God's table. Like we have a seat at the table, and we are called sons and daughters of the King, and we are loved and liked 
and seen and known and accepted by Him. And we have a place of belonging, and it's found in Christ. Listen, our families, our jobs, our romantic relationships, our vacations, our holidays, our na- like, they cannot bear the weight and the burden and the expectation that we place on them. And if we place them, if we place our expectations on those things, they will fail you every single time. And yet Jesus won't. And so if we simply reorder and put Jesus first, those things then get to be what they're meant to be. Gifts and mile markers pointing our hearts and reminding us of what we long for and what we need and that there actually is a season of refreshment because it's found in the person and the work and the life of Jesus. And so church, this morning, the call from Acts 3 would be that we would repent. That if if Jesus is revealing to you that you have reordered your values and family, right? Is God's up there, but families trump Him, right? That physical rest has trumped it, right? Like that you're viewing those things as being able to give you something that only God can give you, then we need to repent. We need to turn from seeing these things as idols who can satisfy us and see them rightly and see Jesus rightly. Where they can return to the proper place of being a gift from the good giver of gifts. Listen, when I give my kids a gift, I, I'm fully aware that that gift um, is going to eventually get broken, right? Or it's gonna, they're going to run out of steam with that gift. What I'm hoping they see is that their dad sees them, that he knows what they like, that he appreciates them, that he likes to see them happy and enjoying something, that I want to be as generous as I can with them. Like, I want them to see those things. So even when this toy has been outgrown or broken, then they go, but he's, he's for me. He's the giver of the gift. And yeah, there might be more gifts, but what I really want is him. Like, that's what God is doing, is he is reminding us that what we need ultimately is him. And if we're simply using him for his good gifts, right, we know it's ugly. It's, it's unbecoming, and it's putting ourselves on the throne rather than Jesus. And so would we repent this morning and see Jesus rightly and, and, and admit that we have looked at false refreshers and have wondered why we're not refreshed? They were never intended to do it in the, the permanent way that Jesus does. So when we consider then Paul's life for just a moment, this is from Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes, he says, I know how to be brought... Um, sorry, I'm going to start in verse 11. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Right? It, it's the reminder that Paul is saying, when I have had an abundance, that was not my identity. It's not where I found my approval. It's not where I rooted my hope. It's not my security. And so when it went away, I wasn't trying to um, erroneously like cling to it. When I had it, I knew it was simply a, a good gift from God. It wasn't promised forever. And when he says, and when I had nothing, when I had a lack, that that also wasn't his identity. 
And it doesn't mean that that's his future, because we know that um, stored for us in heaven are all things, right? Because we are co-heirs with Christ. And so even a lack is a temporary lack. And even if it feels long in this life, it is temporary in regards to eternity. Then Jesus is sufficient whether we have a lot or we have a little. In Paul's life, whether he was free or whether he was locked up, that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with him. And so he was going to cling to and trust Jesus regardless of whether his circumstances were great in the world's eyes or hard in the world's eyes. Like That's the call for us this morning to find refreshment even in the hardest circumstances and seasons of life is that Jesus is with us and that we have hope and future promises. And He is coming again. And our faith will be made sight. And we will be reunited. And that He will wipe every tear from our eyes. And that sickness and sin, pain and disease and death will be no more. And there will be a feast for eternity as we celebrate and enjoy Him. And we are seen and known and heard and loved by Him. And this world is simply preparing us that we're longing for more because it just doesn't satisfy the way it should. Because we're meant for more. And that's found in Jesus. So what do we do? We can look back at the first advent, the first coming. We celebrate because Jesus has come. The, the, the hidden mystery is no longer hidden. It is found in Jesus. And so, church, we have hope. Like We have hope because we know the good news, we know the giver of the good news, and we know He's promised to come back. We have joy, that is right, which is more than happiness because it roots us in the midst of every circumstance. Listen, this morning, some of your circumstances are incredibly difficult. So, so broken and so hard. And yet you can have joy because you know those circumstances do not identify you. They don't mark you for all eternity. Jesus does. So these are merely a, a shadow. And there will be a day where you will say, light and momentary it was compared to the surpassing weight of glory that you have in Christ. That you have love because you have been seen and known and loved by God. And He has demonstrated that love at the cross when you were at your worst, when you were a sinner. You have peace with God. Right? And so we look back at the first advent because Jesus has come, because He lived the life we were meant to, died the death in our place, and has been resurrected, that those things are true. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment, a seal, a promise that all the other promises are true. That we're going to obtain all of them. And so, in the meantime, we look forward to the second advent. When our faith will be made sight. Where He will restore all things and we will receive Him and our inheritance. And that will be our identity forever. And so, in the meantime, listen, the nations can rage but they're not in control. Right? Like, no one in White House is in the White House or in the government, in, in the state, or in our nation, or in the world, or any... They're not actually in control. Jesus is. And so we can be rooted in that. 
that regardless of the circumstances, whether they are harder in the next year to come than they've been in the last two, or whether they're better, whether there's an abundance or a lack, Jesus is on His throne. He is sufficient. He is God with us, Emmanuel, and He is coming for His people. And in the meantime, He has left His Spirit, and He's left us the church, and He's left us His Word. And He is working for our good and for His glory. And so listen, we don't know what the next year holds. We don't know what the next day holds for us, but we can trust that Jesus is faithful and He's good and that He brings seasons of refreshment that we are desperate for. Listen to this. This is Matthew 11. Will you hear this from Jesus this morning? All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So, Redeemer, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Did you hear that from your Savior this morning? And then one final verse. This is from Psalm 107, verse 9. Speaking of God, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. There's a reason that we take the Lord's Supper. Right? Because Jesus told us to come and, and right to drink because He was the everlasting fountain. And to eat, right? Because we would find our satisfaction. That we need something more than water and bread. We need Jesus. Right? We need Him. He's eternal. He's what our souls long for and crave. And so there is no better joy, no better gift, no better pleasure, no better enjoyment than Him. And anything less than Him is simply pointing and reminding us that ultimately we find it in Him. And so this morning, um, the band is going to come back up and we're going to sing to our King who hears our songs and hears our prayers and hears the cries of your heart right now that even if you can't articulate them, He sees you and He knows you and He's inviting you to rest. And in the midst of these um, three songs, as we sing and we remember and we, and we long, that you can get up and take the Lord's Supper. And be reminded that a season of refreshment is available to you at all times because Jesus has done the work on your behalf. And so we take the bread because His body was broken and yours wasn't. And we take the juice because His blood was spilt and yours wasn't. And you are a son or a daughter of the King if you have repented and turned to Jesus this morning because of Him, not because of your own merit. And so would we ask and trust that Jesus will pour out refreshment upon us today and in this season. So whether you pull off the perfect Christmas day or not, a season of refreshment is upon us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your mercy. God, we come knowing that 
for many of us, Psalm 63 feels real, that we are dry and weary and in a parched land. But we are not a hopeless people because we know that in You we find hope and refreshment. So God, for those of us who know You this morning, would we repent of where we have trusted in other things to deliver that rather than You? And would we once again find our souls satisfied and filled, filled and refreshed? God, for those this morning who don't know You, would they hear You calling them and would they repent and turn from their sins and trust You, the rescuer of their soul, of their hope in life and in death? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.